When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Adam, host of the Unpopular Opinion Podcast, and the guy who runs the Unpops Podcast Network. That seems fair, right? I should do both of those things. Anyway, just here to drop a little bonus pod into your life. This is an episode of a podcast we call Sport Horse, which is still available on the Unpops Patreon. We break it out every time there's new sports stuff to talk about. Case in point. For the past few weeks, me and Chet Wilde have been recapping the NFL playoffs. However, for some reason, Chet was too busy to do a recap episode of Super Bowl 54. So, me and Brett Rader are here to chop it up about that on this episode. And, in the middle of all that, there's an interview with Uproxx writer Zach Johnston about why both Super Bowl teams should probably change their names. It's a really good episode. You can check out this and a whole bunch of other bonus episodes. I think we're doing something like three or four bonus episodes a week at this point on the Unpops Patreon. It's patreon.com unpops. It's only $5 a month. You can't afford not to subscribe. I mean, you can, because if you're hearing this, you're probably not subscribed. But still, it's a hell of a deal. Anyway, patreon.com unpops. Enjoy this bonus episode of Sport Horse featuring me, Brett Rader, and Zach Johnston. Thanks! We love you! When Dad gave up two dollars for his marriage license fee, he really had no idea what an athlete he'd be. To gain his reputation, Daddy did not have to roam. We hold all our Olympic games right in our home sweet home. At indoor sports, no family can beat us. At indoor sports, they're all afraid to meet us. You don't know what you're missing. Pick the fad up right away, and it all comes under indoor sports. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Sport Horse. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me today by telephone from his helicopter. Ooh, that was an unfortunate yeah, reference. Actually, Jesus. Yeah, no, no, no more sports people in sports media should ever take a helicopter again. Yeah, everyone sell your helicopters. Hey, that's Brett Raider. Hey, I'm alive. Yeah, we're all alive. That's good news. Chet, who has been doing these NFL playoff episodes with me for the past four weeks, all of a sudden was too busy to do a Super Bowl recap episode, which is fine because he picked the fucking Chiefs anyway, and I don't want to hear his goddamn lip. No, I picked the 49ers, so like this is a loser's pod. This is It's not fun when people are um, correct about their picks, so we just don't have those right. people on the show, right? Yeah, and especially when they're just going with their gut. Chet's been reading books about about the gut and how it's your 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 second brain, and now he goes with his gut and picks the Chiefs and they win. I don't want to hear about that on the podcast. So you you, you no. uh 
you you picked the 49ers also and for a while there it was looking good it was i was i was feeling really confident until literally n- near the end of the game and then another comeback another thing i was wrong about i said if the chiefs went down to the 49ers they weren't going to come back no and 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 that's why in the beginning of the game the first say quarter and a half it did not look very good for the 49ers too um one of my co-workers had even tweeted like that it's it's 11 there's 11 minutes left in the second quarter and this game feels like it's over already because the niners couldn't really get anything going on offense and then all of a sudden Debo starts breaking a few runs and Monster starts breaking a few runs and they're actually able to put some stuff together and they get two picks off of Mahomes. I would believe one's in the first half and one's in the second half. And uh, it's coming together and the team is running well, but they just kind of stopped doing the things that was working. I, I don't know. It was baffling. It was fucking baffling. But before we get to that, you are at the Super Bowl I was at the Super Bowl week, yeah. So um, I was in Miami from um, – well, let's just bring it back to the beginning of the podcast. I landed uh, I landed in Miami uh, basically shortly after Kobe Bryant died, which was a very fun and interesting way to start the week. I landed Sunday morning. The plane touched down. Everyone whips out their phone, turns off airplane mode, and – Everything was all normal in the world. And then by the time I got to the baggage claim, shit was crazy. And um, as you'd imagine, a flight from Los Angeles to uh, Miami the week before the Super Bowl filled with a lot of sports media people like myself. But, you know, there's some recognizable um, TV people there and lots of people you could just tell by their by the fact that they're like 10 pounds more overweight than they normally are. They're wearing the jacket with the ESPN logo or the Fox Sports logo or whatever. It's like, yep, you also work in sports media and like this football season is, <laughs> is draining your your life away from you. Um, but yeah, so we're at the baggage claim and then all of a sudden everyone kind of whips out their phone and refreshes Twitter there because it's been a solid you know five minutes since we refreshed Twitter last and people start crying. It was it was it was very weird. I'll always remember it for the rest of my life. And it kind of started off this crazy week where every tell you what, every every media company who is there, whether it's Yahoo where I work or ESPN or Fox or Bleacher Report, they had their idea of what their content was going to be like for the week. And then um, and half of their staff was in Florida and um, everything changed. And it was a very, very odd week. But uh, Miami was really cool. Otherwise, was it your first time in Miami? It was. Yeah, I'd never been to Miami before. I'd been to Tampa once the year prior. I imagine those are not the same thing. No. And it's funny, too, because like when you're at these NFL events, like or, you know, when I was at the draft last year at the Super Bowl, the draft earlier this year, Super Bowl last year, they, they have all these media setups. And like the next major event has like a little table there being like so there was a little hey we got the draft in vegas table and like there's nothing there like, i don't know why they have it and then there's also like this whole super bowl 55 tampa set up there and it's like hey we have cookies or whatever and i, I don't know what why <laughs> they do it but um they have it there and you they have just this table and they have some pictures of tampa and like what the logo looks like and it's just like hey just a reminder you're coming here but yeah, I'm kind of walking by the um, the Tampa table, and I'm like, you know what? 
I really don't want to go to, to, to Tampa Bay because I, I was there last year for about uh, two days and that was more than enough. I, I don't know if I could spend a full seven or eight days. Yeah, Tampa's rough. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the game. Damian Williams should have been the MVP, I think. Um, I've been batting this around and I was thinking this during the game because it was, even if the, the, the chiefs came back to win, which they did, I was like, I don't know if you can give Mahomes the, the MVP here. He threw two picks. Um, our, our social media account at Yahoo sports had even tweeted like a meme of Scooby-Doo old timey Scooby-Doo. It was like, Hey, and they're ripping off the Patrick Mahomes mask to reveal that it was Jared Goff. I thought it was pretty funny, <laughs> pretty funny joke. But here's the thing. Damien Williams had that second. He had the touchdown that was like kind of debatable whether it was inbounds or out of bounds. Right. Yeah, that was the the game winning touchdown. Yeah, exactly. And then and then at the end of the game, he has the touchdown to put him up by 11, basically to seal the game. And that he only had like 66 yards up until that point. And that was like a 38 yard run. So his stat line, hey, 108 yards or whatever it is. And two touchdowns looks pretty good overall, but with the exception of that, let's let's be real, kind of garbage time touchdown at the end. I one of the more interesting versions of this take that you're giving me is uh, that I've heard is that Chris Jones should be the MVP. How do you feel about that for batting that pass down? Yeah, and he was kind of he was very involved in in everything else. Like yeah, you know the Heat. Uh, you know I, I I don't know who you give the MVP to. It was looking for a minute there. I was like, holy shit, are we going to be giving Sammy Watkins the MVP? Like, this is the, the biggest. Yeah, that's the thing. This is the biggest turn in events of, of, in NFL history. The Chiefs as a whole just kind of played like trash up until the last 12, 10 to 12 minutes of the game. And that was the story of the whole postseason for them, too. It's like the Texans game. They go down 24 nothing or 24-3, something like that. The, yeah. The... Um, Titans game, they go down by 10 or 14 twice in two different instances in that game. And it's not, and this actually goes to Andy Reid's coaching is that like for the first time, his coaching was really, really good. It was the execution. It was the one thing that he couldn't control players dropping catches in the instances of those two first playoff games. Uh, it, it was little things he couldn't totally control that were preventing the Chiefs from like all out blowing the the doors off of these other teams so yeah it, it was execution it was i mean also you know the san francisco team obviously has a really good defense so yeah it was i wasn't crazy about the game overall like i, I kind of knew i kind of saw what was happening i was like chiefs are gonna come back in the fourth quarter here like the the niners are, are help are having them stick around too long and like this is going to be an exciting like final seven minutes of the game but overall i thought it was I thought it was a little bit boring and there you're right there wasn't really a clear mvp performance yeah. And speaking of coaching, Kyle Shanahan broke the John Madden simulator. Did you did you see the John Madden simulator article? No, I do. Well, you sent it to me, but of course I didn't click on it. It came out uh, shortly before the the game. And every year they run a simulation of the Super Bowl using both teams through a Madden simulator. And this year the outcome it predicted was that the Chiefs would lose 20 to 7 on three Patrick Mahomes interceptions. And wow. up until like there was a point with about 7 minutes left where Patrick Mahomes had just thrown his second interception 
and the score was 20 to 10. And that's the point. Which is eerie. It is. And then that's the point where Kyle Shanahan, the one thing the Madden simulator can't take into account is that he kind of chokes when he has a lead in the Super Bowl. He's bad at Super Bowls. Yeah, I know in Madden there's all these little characteristics that go into the simulation for the players. It's like, all right, this guy can catch long balls very well, but he's better, but he's not as good at intermediate catching. And like, it's a pretty granular the sort of how they rate all the players. But I don't know if they do that for coaches. Like there should be this sort of like for Kyle Shanahan, there should be a like crumbles late in very important games. Yeah, because if people don't recall, he was the offensive coordinator when the Atlanta Falcons blew a 28 to three third quarter lead against the Patriots. And you could argue the defense blew that lead, but the offense didn't do them any favors by refusing to score more points after the first half. What was what struck what was so frustrating to me, you know, one was at the end of the first half, the Chiefs, sorry, I'm kind of confused. I was up till three in the morning working last night, uh, audience. So if I sound like I am uh, very tired and don't know what I'm talking about, that's exactly the case. (laughs) Um, So the Chiefs are punting with about a minute 30 left to go in the second quarter. And the, the Niners have all three timeouts. And they just let it run down. And you can see, and they cut to John Lynch, the GM of the Niners, in the booth. And he's like doing timeout hands, screaming. Yeah down from the he's the general manager maybe he should be allowed to um he should be allowed to call a timeout but so they let it run down and then they call a run play and they don't call a timeout and kansas city ends up taking a timeout like hey if you guys are just gonna give up here we're gonna try and get the ball back and then i forget exactly what the play is but san francisco actually breaks for you know a significant uh significant amount of yardage and they kind of end up around maybe their own 40 or, or midfield or whatever and they can't make anything happen and it just kind of goes to goes into halftime, which I, I believe we should probably discuss at, at some point this halftime. Oh, well, but, we'll, um, we'll definitely talk that, about that. That play calling there, it's like, man, you can't you can't play to not lose the game there. And it's like, you need to be like, you've seen this team. They were down but 24 to nothing to the Texans, and they ended up scoring like 51 points in two and a half quarters. Like, you have the you have ninety seconds and three timeouts. Go for get, go go to get a touchdown. Go to get an extra three points. That would have completely changed how the second half played out if it was seventeen ten or thirteen ten going into halftime. You know, in favor of the of the Niners. And there's that. And I think Raheem Moster was having a pretty good game. Like, yeah, there were ob- obviously the the times where he was kind of stuffed at the line for for no game. But I don't know how. They're having possessions late in the fourth quarter, up by 10. They hand off to Raheem Mostert for six, and then they call two pass plays and get, you know, two incompletions and have to punt the ball away. Just, like, keep it keep it moving. It, yeah. I was confused by it. They were aver- they averaged six yards per rush uh, during the game, so just keep running the ball. It's this weird thing of being aggressive when they should be conservative and being conservative when they should be aggressive and it's just like flipped and it's just do better i say yeah i feel like he was trying to be cute and wanted to prove a point about jimmy garoppolo actually being a good quarterback but like the first time they played seattle this year jimmy garoppolo almost threw like three interceptions at the end of the game like they were dropped interceptions so he's not like why just keep running the ball i don't fucking get it but i feel like the 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 play at 
the end of halftime, the push-off call on George Kittle. I would like people to, yeah. to just reflect on the fact that once again this year, the New Orleans Saints were robbed of advancing to the next round of the playoffs because of a shitty pass interference call. That Kyle yeah. Rudolph push-off in the end zone was, I would argue, more egregious than the George Kittle push-off. They're both pass interference. And in the Niners game, they got the call right. But the Saints got fucked again. Like, if you compare those two plays, they're both pretty obvious pass interference. It was weird, too, the Kittle one, because, like, he extends his arm, but he didn't extend his arm to push. He extended his arm because he had a full arm's length of distance between them. Like, it, it gave the impression like he was pushing off because he had his arm fully extended. But it was like it was fully extended because he had the room, not because he was pushing. I mean, I was fine with it. I don't know. It's uh, there were a lot of things, a lot of call. There were no, there were no calls in the, this game that were like too egregious. Like I thought with the t- that Damian Williams touchdown that we had mentioned earlier. You know, the one where it appears he's basically crossing the 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 line of the the goal line crossing the threshold there as he's stepping out of bounds right and if they had called it the other way and challenged it i don't see how you how you overturn that it just kind of has to be what whatever it's called on the field and of all the penalties and stuff there i i really wasn't too too bummed out about all of them and i mean there were also some bad penalties that you know, should have been called like, uh, you know, in the third or fourth quarter, I forget who it was. It was no, it was Tarverius Moore who had caught, who had previously picked off uh, Mahomes on that weird tipped ball. He, I think they're throwing to Kittle in the end zone and he just like jumps right off, jumps up and doesn't even turn around. It has a PI called against him, which I believe leads to, um, which I believe leads to that Damian Williams touchdown. Um, oh yeah. I, I wasn't too upset by the officiating, uh, you know, Boohoo, Saints, whatever. Go, go eat some. <laughs> yeah, eat some I mean, fish or whatever. The Saints are a boring team, and this is yeah. the most interesting thing that's happened to them is that they just keep missing the playoffs in crazy ways. I'm fine with Drew Brees' career ending that way, though, and Sean Payton. Also, they won. They won a Super Bowl. Like I'm completely fine with it. Like if this was happening to the Vikings. Every year, it would be pretty funny. Like, well, oh, in, yeah. in, the, in a way, it kind of does happen to the Vikings every year, usually on like a weird kicking uh, fiasco. But uh, absolutely, the Saints, it's fine. You enjoy your enjoy your Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Always happening to the Vikings too, though. As a Bears fan, oh yeah, as a NFC North resident, I am happy for Andy Reid. I guess I want everyone to win one Super Bowl in the NFL. And yeah, everyone should get one as a treat. Yeah, exactly. And Andy Reid, he's one of the winningest head coaches in history, but just never won a Super Bowl. And I I think he just hasn't ever had a really solid quarterback. Like Donovan McNabb was fine, but he's no Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is better than Donovan McNabb, but Donovan McNabb was really good. They got to like four straight uh, NFC championship games in the early 2000s. And I think they got to five overall. Um, and they obviously went to one Super Bowl and lost to the Patriots. But I really liked those Eagles teams of the early 2000s. And um, I mean, this is the best team he's had, though. Like, it's it's not like he was it's not like he had the better team and 
listen, there were a lot of boneheaded coaching mistakes um, that he made over that time that kind of earned this reputation for him of like not being particularly great with clock management, um, making all that stuff is legitimate. Um, and I, I think he's gotten better at that stuff. But at the same time, it's like, you know, those Patriots teams were really good. And, and I forget who he was listening to or I'm sorry, who he was losing to in those NFC championship games in the early 2000s, you know, like the Kerry Collins giants or whoever, um, like the, those teams were very good, but they were not like the best team in the league ever, you know? And that's, that's more a testament to the, to the actual roster building than, than Reed's coaching and Reed's coached him up and got him kind of far. But, um, this is certainly the best team and the best quarterback he's ever had. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. My problem with those Eagles teams was always there, there would come a point in the playoffs where I would get behind the Eagles and they would just disappoint me every fucking time. And I don't know. I feel like I lost respect for everyone except Terrell Owens, which is weird. That's, that's crazy. You need to get your head checked out. Well, I mean, when they made it to that Super Bowl, he played on a broken leg and if they won, he would have won the MVP. Do you see that video of uh, about a week ago? Um, I think it was Bleacher Report um, had, did an interview with uh, Donovan McNabb, and they were like, hey, when was the last time you talked to T.O. or whatever? And he's like, listen, it, it wasn't a great relationship. And if I see him, you know, if I see him somewhere, I'll, I'll kind of give him a hey or a what's up or shake his hand or whatever. But, like, I'm not his friend or anything. And then T.O. And then T.O. saw the interview and, like, quote tweeted it and said, like, Hey man, you're the cancer of the locker room or whatever. Don't, you know, keep my name out of your mouth or else I'm going to start telling people about what happened to us at, at, at all those parties in Philadelphia, which is like <laughs> not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He mentioned something about DUIs, but he, he threw Donovan mm. McNabb under the bus after the Super Bowl too. Remember he said he was throwing he up threw in everybody the under the bus. <laughs> that was his whole thing. Yeah, I guess. But he was so good. He was really good. He was good. Like both things can be true. Antonio Brown, if Antonio Brown, like, you know, got some got some Lexapro or whatever, he would still probably be one of the five best receivers in the league. But, you know, I, and I'm not comparing T.O. to Antonio, like what Antonio Brown has done over the last, you know, year or so. But it's like, you know, in in different ways, they they've both established that they like cannot be trusted to be like a c contributing member of a football team in the sort of social way that you need to be like a, a decent person who can like take direction and get along with other people. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Someone tweeted the other day, uh, how close are we to an Antonio Brown police chase? And I, I, I could see it. He's We're close. How close are we to having him fight um, uh, one of the Logan Paul brothers on on DAZN? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, that's that's going to be his only recourse, unless he goes to, like, the XFL or something. I could see him being crazy enough to go to the XFL. But the XFL, it's so weird, too, because the XFL thing is, like, we don't hire, like, any con – like, their whole thing is, like, we're the law and order league – and we don't we don't hire any bad any bad apples and you can't have any like you can't have been arrested or anything because it's a you know failed failed racism thing not that antonio brown is like a convicted has been convicted of anything 
I believe the the sexual assault allegations are all being they're all being handled in a civil court rather than a criminal court. But all, but also there's this new thing with the movers that he like attacked or something like that, which he was arrested for. So I don't know. But at the same time, the XFL, which premieres this this weekend, I don't know if you're watching any XFL this weekend, but um, probably not. I just ugh, I don't want to support it. No, I I don't. I kind of want to check out a game at the the Chargers soccer field. But uh, what what's the name of that field? Dignity Health Field at whatever state. I don't know because it used to be StubHub Center, and the their naming rights lapsed, and now it's like the Dignity Health Arena or whatever. Which you know, if it makes me it makes me think about like a retirement home or 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 something like that, <laughs> then it's a really good place to name a, a football stadium. I went to a show at bank of california stadium and it was hell on earth and i will never attend another event there again just getting to was the that place. the portugal mumford's show yeah just like getting to the stadium from the freeway is fucking insane yeah i i used to have ram season tickets and um i went down there and and the, that bank of california stadium is literally right next to the the LA Coliseum and yeah, and getting off the freeway there um, is is really uh, horrible. I would just take the streets to get there. This has been your traffic minute on Sports Horse. <laughs> traffic on the nines coming back to you in ten minutes for traffic on the nines. Hey, speaking of that, we are gonna gonna cut to something else in a minute because there this Super Bowl had a little controversy surrounding the team names. I don't think anyone is unaware that the Chiefs team name is very offensive to to still be hanging on to in 2020, uh, just like the Redskins. What's the deal with the 49ers when I haven't heard it? Is it because is it's offensive to white people who came to Northern California to suck the land of its resources? Yeah, and committed genocide in the process. Oh, cool, cool, cool. There's... Uh, Uprock's writer named Zach Johnston, very good friend of the show, who wrote an article about it a few days before the Super Bowl. And to atone for having watched the Super Bowl, we're going to uh, take a quick uh, break and then we'll be back to interview Zach Johnston about the, the naming scandal and controversy around the Super Bowl. And then me and Brett are going to come back to talk about some shit talking and some ass shaking. If you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what you mean. Here we go. We'll be back. Hey, everybody. We are on the phone with Zach Johnston, travel writer, friend of the show, professional bon vivant, Zach Johnston. Thank you for joining <laughs> Thank us. Thank you for the introduction. How that was awesome. I appreciate that. And we appreciate you. And you are uh, you're here to tell me why I should feel like trash for watching the Super Bowl. Well, I mean, you should at least feel some guilt. <laughs> I would say <laughs> guilt that hopefully propels you towards education as opposed to bigotry. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. There's there are several layers of guilt that come with just watching the NFL in general. Yeah, it's it's sort of funny because there's a very small corner of the NFL that's afflicted by this sort of deeply rooted foundational bigotry in the United States against indigenous people. But, you know, it's only three or four teams. So it's not like it's the whole league. It's just this tiny bit. I feel like just hasn't been dealt with yet. 
Yeah, and I really don't understand, like, if I was a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs, like, what connection do I have to that name? Like, what is the point of fighting to keep a name like that? Just fucking change it. Like, change your name to the fucking Baby Backs. Like, name yourself after something. The Kansas City Jazz would make more sense than the Utah Jazz. Like, there's so many other options. And I, I, yeah, and I mean, there's already another option with the Chiefs. Their mascot is a wolf, Kansas City Wolves. It's right there within grass. Oh yeah. And, uh, like I, like I mentioned, find me a single Kansas City fan that would have been pissed the Kansas City Wolves were going to the Super Bowl instead of the Kansas City Chiefs. They don't give a fuck about the name. They just want to go for their town, man. Yeah, and that there's obviously something more to it. Like I, I feel like it's. I don't know, maybe white people not wanting to be pushed around by minorities. I don't know. Like it's, there has to be something else to it than, oh, we just, this is what we've always done. We've always been the chiefs. Well, I think there it's, it's a double layer. And the first layer is a lack of education about indigenous history in relation to colonial history in the U S it just simply doesn't exist. And so for me, I, I try to be on the positive side of things and look, okay, what's this stemming from and what's the solution? And a huge part of that is we simply need to start educating our children about the history of this country in a more realistic way so that they understand, one, the place around them that they live in in a better way, but also the people around them that are still on reservations. And the other half of that is a miseducation, whether it be through popular culture and Hollywood films from the last century or the way teams are represented in various sports, every sport, football, hockey, uh, baseball, et cetera. And that miseducation then solidifies, in my opinion, solidifies this image of, well, isn't this who you are when they're doing the tomahawk shop or wearing a headdress or painting their face red or whatever they're doing? Whereas, you know, I come from it from a point of view. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. My dad was a member of the Skokomish Indian Reservation on the Olympic Peninsula. Yo, man, my people were wearing like, grass reed hats and cloaks living in 2000 year old longhouses, completely non-nomadic. We wrote canoes, not horses, right. no feathers in our hair. So when someone's like, Hey, I'm honoring native American culture. I was like, shit, your wire has got nothing to do with me, bro. Like it has more to do with the John Ford movie than it does any specific indigenous culture. Yeah. And so for me, that, that miseducation is where it fundamentally falls apart because it's like, well then tell me about who I am because right now, I ain't seen no connection here. Yeah. I lived in South Dakota for 10 years. Felt like more like 25 or 30, but it was only 10. <laughs> and Great. the attitude people have there toward indigenous people and reservations, especially like any mention of any issue relating to that the the response you're going to get is we give them money every month what are they complaining about so i think you're right that education is really important and it's it's like the foundation of this country so it's crazy that the way we teach that history if we even teach it at all it's really troubling the way we present that to kids at least Looking back on how it was presented to me as a kid in the public school system in Illinois was uh, definitely problematic. Do you think, though, the fact that the Chiefs and the Redskins and I guess the Indians refuse to let it go, is that sort of an opportunity to educate people? 
I mean, not, I it's obviously it. not a good yeah. thing, but like it's sort of an inroad maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of, you know, I don't know, maybe this is too esoteric an example, but you know, Joan Rivers always used to get shit for making Holocaust jokes. And her defense was always like, well, I want to laugh about the Holocaust so people think about it and realize that it was real. Right. And that was just her way. Her, it was the 60s, man. I don't know. That was her way of doing it. And for me, you know, when I was talking with my editor about this piece, you know, a couple of weeks back, you know, I was like, okay, this is going to suck. Native Twitter is already blowing up about this being, you know, terrible. It's going to be the thing that I get bombarded with on social media. Just use it as an opportunity to be like, hey, let's take a step back, <laughs> stop yelling, stop throwing accriminations and talk about why this is happening. And for me, that falls back to education. Why I feel these huge organizations don't want to change has nothing to do with that. They know exactly what they're doing. You know, they, they look indigenous leaders in the face and be like, yeah, man, we're going to do our best to help you out. And then you know, with this chief specifically, indigenous leaders ask them, please stop wearing headdresses. And then the chiefs just say, hey, we're listening to them. And, but they didn't do what they were asked. Right. You know, so from the organizational point of view, I, I, maybe this is cynical, but it comes down to merchandising money. They don't want to risk taking a hit in selling jerseys for a year if they change the team name. Maybe that's cynical, but yeah, yeah it's fucking capitalism, man. Yeah, you're probably right. It probably does boil down to mostly that. And yeah, the part where they reached out to the Chiefs and asked them to stop, I, I feel like that's an important detail to hit on because it's it's not like you absolutely cannot have a team name that relates to indigenous people. It's possible right. to do that without being an offensive piece of shit over it. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe the one example of that is the Florida state Seminoles who actually yeah, the, yes. ha have a decent relationship. Yeah. The Seminoles have a direct relationship. And as far as the receipts show from from interviews and whatnot. You know they they are very much in favor of that team existing and support it. And money's go going back and forth both ways. And it feels like a good relationship. That being said, that's where the tomahawk shop was yeah, uh, right. invented. So you know that's when you have to take a step back and be like, well, is it even worth it if it's going to create this now nationwide damaging look? Because it's like, okay, you're doing something in Florida, but it caught on nationwide. It has a different meaning to it now. Um, another example I like to cite because I'm a Seahawks fan and I'm from Seattle. Back in the day when the Seahawks were starting in the early 70s, uh, the general manager, sorry, I forget his name, wanted to have an Indian name for his team in the Pacific Northwest, which was totally normal at the time. I mean, why wouldn't he? Yeah. And so instead of like picking like Hollywood imagery or some random name that has no meaning, he actually hired a Quinault artist. Um, his name was Marvin... Shit, I forgot his name. I feel bad now. His name was Marvin. Wow, Zach. He was a artist. <laughs> yeah, I know. How dare I? But uh, he was a Quinault artist, and he found um, the Quack Waka Waka uh, mask, which is a Seahawk mask, and he adapted that, and that became the logo. Now, if you look at Seattle fans, do you ever see anything that's slightly offensive in that fanship when it's pertaining to Native Americans? Right. And so I do feel like there is this baseline of like actually in 1970 found an indigenous artist and respected indigenous values and culture and created a team name built around Indians that did not produce this sort of fan base. So you have to ask, well, what's the difference actually involved in indigenous people and listening to them? Yeah. As a start. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how, how fucking hard is that? 
just if you need to right. keep yeah. the name that badly, just reach out and figure out how to do it without being an offensive piece of shit. Yeah, exactly. It's not that hard, right? <laughs> yeah. It's pr- it doesn't even cost you. I mean, it co- might cost you a little, but you can afford it. Jesus. So every, I, I feel like everyone knows the chief's name is offensive, but how many people know about why the 49ers name is offensive? I actually, until your article had never even thought about the 49ers name being offensive right. at all. Uh, so explain to and, people why it is. And you know, what you just said, I think is 100% fair and 100% fair for the average American. Because what we're taught of the gold rush is basically we're not made to, but we we play Oregon Trail on a computer, now on an app on your phone. And that's what funneled people to California back in those days. The Oregon Trail was an active act of genocide by the U.S. government and settler colonists who were spreading disease and war to the West so that they gave minerals out of California. And so between 1849 and the 1870s, what happened was what is now called the California genocide. And that's not me being hyperbolic. That's what it's actually termed as in history books now. And the the long and the short of it is settlers will come in as miners. They decided they needed to have cheap labor. This is in the 1850s. So they set out militias that were specifically and officially founded by the California territories and supported by the United States Army under the Second Amendment because, hey, well-regulated militias get to have guns and protect themselves. Yeah, you'd see ads in the San Francisco paper for like, you know, five bucks for a redskin buckskin, which is, you know, a scalp of a male, because they would go in on raiding parties, these militias, they'd uh, murder all the males, take their scalps, sell them back in San Francisco. Then they take the women and children and take them to slave markets and sell them to miners as cheap labor, or sorry, free labor. Jesus. And and this wasn't the sort of like, I mean, it's I don't mean to belittle anything or say anything's better or worse. But, you know, African slavery in the American South was much more about chattel and equity. Like you you built this as equity for your cotton plantation. Whereas the slavery in the indigenous people in California was about working them to death. It was about getting them all killed so there'd be none of them left. So there was no equity. There was no chattel. They didn't feel like they had an investment in these people. When the kid would fall over dead or the woman would fall over dead, they just simply go get more from the slave market. And uh, over 25-ish years, 80% of the population was wiped out. And I, I think bringing up, bringing up slavery there is a, a really valid point because – like if your team name used to be the slave ships and you just drop slave at one point in the sixties right. and you were like, no, but we've been the ships this whole time. No one would fucking fight to keep that name. But no, the 49ers, like I, that's, that's actually the more offensive of the two names. Like there, there's really <laughs> given the history that I know of it now, there's no excuse to keep that fucking name. It's not like there's still gold in California. Just change your name to the, right fucking ipads or something right and it's sort of it's the sort of thing where like if you look back at history like the for me one of the most interesting aspects of the history of san francisco in the 1840s and that era was actually the chinese american community some of the oldest like chinese american restaurants are there because i'm a food writer i nerd out about shit like this and so i i naively sit back and be like wow wouldn't it be awesome if they like honored the fact that San Francisco had the first Chinese American community. Then I'm like, ah, oh, nope, stop, stop. Yep, nope. There's no way they won't make it racist. They just, nope, nope, they can't do it. I just know they can't. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> so. not. Yeah, I'm really glad. I, I want people to go out and read your article because it's it's way more detailed than this uh, right. this segment is is going to be 
Uh, it's on uprocks.com, a site I've also written for before. Good people. I love uprocks. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. We'll we'll tweet it out. I'll, I, we're going to put this episode up uh, out for free to the public, so oh, awesome. we'll link to it on the website somewhere else. So, but uh, that's always good. Yeah, it's uh, uh it's it's crazy yeah. because I when I told people I wanted the 49ers to win the Super Bowl, one of one of my arguments was that they had the marginally less offensive name, and now I I I'm, I feel like I'm glad that the Chiefs won. Oh, that doesn't feel right either. Jesus. No, it's it's a lose-lose situation. But, I mean, again, going back, circling back around to the point of the article, and I feel like the point of our conversation is just people need to educate themselves a little bit better. I feel like, you know, it's 2020. You don't have the excuse of being like, oh, I didn't know about this because it's not fucking 1980 anymore. Like, yeah. people are talking about this. You know, you, you can go on Twitter and follow indigenous actors, indigenous writers, indigenous journalists, et cetera, who are talking about these issues. And, you know, it's, it's also something that it comes up because, you know, there's a lot of intersection between us losing our public lands because of the Department of Interior under the Trump administration, which first affects the indigenous population, but then it's going to affect you because, you know, they're throwing pollution in the air and our waters. And so there's a lot of intersection yeah. if you look into these issues of things that affect the average American too. It's not this separated, like there's a wall between us. Like we're all in this country together. The more you learn about the indigenous history, the more you can understand about indigenous reality today in the present and you know how that affects everybody. Yeah. People should, uh, yeah, just read up on this stuff and just, uh, yeah. Don't be a dick because your favorite sports team has a shitty name. Like, in like, well, right. And the, that's the thing. Like I, when it comes to the NFL, it's it's such a problematic institution. But I also love football. Like I don't want the NFL yeah, to yeah. die. I just want them to be better. Yeah. I want them to do better just in so many yeah. fucking ways and this is definitely one of them. Well, and man, I think we're from a similar generation. Like remember the Houston Oilers? They changed uh, their name. Yeah. You know? You know, you know, hey, do you remember the Tennessee Titans in the 80s? No, because they didn't even exist. Yeah, you know, so exactly. Shit, shit is always in flux. And like, if someone tells you that we can't change three or four NFL team names, that's kind of crazy. Because I, I feel like with most people, even with the people who were in red face in Kansas City over the last week, I know most of those people wouldn't be in blackface because they know it's wrong because they've been educated. And so the same things with this, man, it's just a matter of like when you really sit back and think about it and listen to somebody who's telling you why this is wrong, I think people will come around. It just takes time and you got to get to those people in a way that they'll be receptive. Yeah. And it's like, and you know, some people are never going to be receptive, but those people right. also aren't going to stop watching football. Like if the chiefs change no. their name, some of those fans might grumble a little bit, but they'll be at the game next season. And do you know those are the motherfuckers who are going to be on eBay the next season with the vintage old school nostalgia jerseys? Oh, yeah. With an extra couple zeros on the on the price tag. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, Zach, so. I thank you so much for doing this, uh, this segment and uh, shedding some light on the need for people yeah. to be educated about why these things are offensive. It's, yeah, it's I, not, I it's not, the time. it's not PC culture run amok. It's literally offensive. No, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's literally also who we are, Like yeah. you know, any, any great, any 
true patriot needs to know where they came from, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree. And if you uh, if you want to follow me for more indigenous news, whiskey news, travel news, just ZTP Johnston media platforms. I post shit there. You left out food news. Zach can <laughs> cook news. some shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got to get in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm all for that. All right. Well, all right, take- thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, man. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. And we're back. Did you did you listen to the interview, Brett? What'd you think? I thought it was really good, and I thought everybody was very good on it, and I thought um, overall it was very good. Good. <laughs> good. That's what I want to hear. So let's wrap this up by talking about some some fun stuff. First of all, Frank Clark is a shit-talking hero of mine. Like, his degree of talking shit about opponents and then backing it up throughout these playoffs has been as impressive as anything else the chiefs have done frank clark is a man he really is he is an intimidating presence before even before the super bowl frank clark uh before the afc championship game made a lot of news because he came out in the media and said derrick henry is not that hard to hit and he doesn't foresee any difficulty tackling him or keeping him contained. And people were like, oh, that's what gets teams in trouble. You, you talk shit. Bulletin board material. Yeah, you, you give, them, give them something to fire them up. So, and this was fresh off of Derrick Henry running for 200-plus yards on the Ravens. Derrick Henry, also a man. Oh, for sure. And sure enough, the Chiefs play the Titans. And they hold Derrick Henry to 70 yards. And his, uh, Frank Clark's post-game interview is just a fucking delight. Uh, there's so many swear words. I'm going to play it quick. Past two games, each game, 70 yards, over 200 yards each game. I know damn well we want to win the game if we let that happen. They come in here, he ran for 70 yards, they call him the best rusher in the league. We sit in this home early i posted the comments that you said to me and all over social media everybody said you better watch your back that you're saying things that you can't cash everybody on social media said they must not know who i am yet they gonna find out sooner or later when i got that ring on my finger at the end of the day we champions afc that trophy that got my own the last name on it that's the kc kc ain't no fall off last year jump off sides all that i told him when i got here no change look at We're the best world. Go join. Did you get a chance to watch his post game interview after the AFC Championship? Yeah, no. He he's amazing and um, he's a delight. Did you see the clip of him after the Super Bowl? He's like, I can't find my jersey. I can't find my jersey. Y'all are trying to Tom Brady me. Like he's just he's just (laughs) a funny guy. (laughs) Yeah, he. After this game, he first in his on field post game interview. Just shits all over Jimmy Garoppolo. People, the, you know, the, the hours, countless hours of just practicing and executing. Man, the whole game is like I'm trying to get to that QB. And it seemed like I couldn't get to him because they trying everything, the quick pass, everything to get that ball out. We knew the challenge, man. The guy gets the ball out of his hands faster than any guy in the league right now. We knew the challenge of the checkdowns. You're paying the guy $140 million, $130 million, whatever he's getting paid. Man, 
Go ahead. He got it. He got it. He got it. He got to throw the ball. Obviously, he didn't do that. They threw for about 200 yards on checkdowns. That ain't enough to win ain't the game enough. against us. And it don't We're Super Bowl champions. Don't matter my what boy, it is. the offense. You can't tell us nothing. Up. Can't tell us nothing. Can't tell us they nothing. They can't take this away from us. So at the end of the day, we're going to run it back next year. But for right now, we're going to enjoy this moment. Tell them, baby. We ain't got curfew tonight. The dynasty's here, baby. We ain't got curfew tonight. And then he gets in the, the post game interview, like the actual press conference, and. He talks about seeing the. This is the one I can't find a clip of, so I'm not going to be able to play it or edit it in. He talks about seeing the 49ers celebrating in the end zone when there was after Mahomes had just thrown another interception, and uh, they're celebrating in the end zone to him as if they've won the game. So he said when he came back out, he said to the players that were running off the field, "You're going home just like the rest of those motherfuckers." I just love how much he says motherfuckers in post-game interviews because it's such a great word. Oh, it is. Like he's turning into the Samuel L. Jackson of this generation's NFL. Yeah. It, uh, he, he puts on a good performance in front of a microphone. And speaking of that, let's, let's close out by talking about the most important part of the night, the Super Bowl halftime show featuring Shakira and Jennifer Lopez. What did you think of the halftime show? Um. <laughs> In in one way, like, I don't really care about any of the halftime shows because, like, I don't like – I don't listen to this music. I don't like this music. I'll never listen to any of these songs again unless they're, like, in a commercial for soda or whatever. Um, <laughs> and it's like – and this is kind of what the halftime shows have been like for me for a generation. It's like, oh, cool, Coldplay. Have a great time, guys. Uh, you know, uh Bruno Mars seems seems fun. Seems like it's a fun thing. It's just I, I'm not really into this music. Like I'm not really into like top forty music. So the Super Bowl halftime show it's not really for me. Like if they get Joyce Manor to do uh, uh, a halftime show and they just do like a tight like 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 ten songs that are each like two minute pop songs. Like hell yeah, or not uh, like punk songs. Like hell yeah, I'd be into it. But I understand that that's not really four quadranty enough. What if Jenny Lewis does it? Oh, get me there. Get me get me on this on the field. Like you know how they have those people <laughs> on the field like they kind of fill out the so it's not like they're just performing to no one. They have people like wearing Pepsi shirts like jumping up and down and they have like little shiny bracelets or whatever. Like get me there with with Jenny Lewis. <laughs> but so that being said, those girls put in some work and also the the conservatives were triggered. Oh, were they? The, the snowflake, the snowflake conservatives were triggered by this, so I I enjoyed it. But yeah, no, the internet was very. If you dove into the other internet that exists, it was very a flutter with like, my children were watching this. Don't tell me to vote for Elizabeth Warren and say that you support this. Like, it was just very <laughs> like, very like. I'm a mother. And I yeah. live in I live in rural Wisconsin, and I do not approve. But, but don't let your kids watch the halftime show. I thought that was fine. I, I everyone seemed to really like it. Like I don't know, they put a lot of energy into it. I didn't know who either of the two guys were. There was a guy who was dressed up like the Tin Man who was rapping in Espanol, and then there was another guy who was rapping in Spanish. And uh, I didn't know who either of those guys were. But like, hey, the, again. This music is not for me uh, and not like, hey, it's not for me. Like I'm not into it. It's just like it's not made for me, a 32 year old white guy uh, in Los Angeles. Like who cares? Whatever. Everybody seems to like it. 
have a, everyone seemed to have a good time. People were on fire about it. I'm all about it. Good for everybody. Here's my take. I fucking love Shakira. I've been a Shakira fan for years and years and years. Uh, I respect her as a musician. Yeah. I was disappointed that Jennifer Lopez was the one who closed. Because Jennifer Lopez is a good actor. And musician is just the role she plays when there's no movies. She's not a good musician. She doesn't make memorable music. Nobody's favorite song is fucking Jenny from the Block or waiting. Maybe maybe waiting for tonight. Like that's her that that's her peak as a musician, and it happened decades ago. Shakira, on the other hand, has songs. She's got a catalog of really great songs. She writes her songs. She plays instruments. She can play the guitar. She can also dance. I know Jennifer Lopez can dance, but so can Shakira. She can drum, apparently. She can. Shakira is insanely talented. And I felt like the energy just kind of died when Jennifer Lopez came on stage because no one no one knows her music. Or if they do, they don't yeah, like, care I, about I'm it. I'm not very familiar with either of them, really. Like, I obviously know who they are. But, like, I'm not really familiar with their music a lot. And, like, basically all, every time a new song came out, I was like, oh, that song. That's a Shakira song? Okay, cool. Sure. I had no idea. I just heard it on, you know, like, in supermarkets or whatever for the last 15 years. And, um, yeah, it came out and they are just doing Shakira only. I was like, this is this is fire. This is pretty good. Um Jennifer Lopez must be better because they're clearly saving her for last. I understand she she might be a little bit bigger of a of a star. She's an actress and stuff too, but yeah, I know I thought the Shakira stuff was was better. I I don't know. It, it, it actually made me think of you, Adam. I was thinking about you. I was watching the hips. They were not lying. I was watching Jennifer Lopez, and I was like, you know what? You know who should host the next Super Bowl halftime show? Who should do it? Mariah fucking Carey. Fuck. Yes, I would be. It made me think of you. I was like, Mariah can do this. I I mean, I have no idea what sort of condition Mariah is in. Like, I don't know if she's like still performing or anything, but it made me think, you know what? She'd fucking kill it and it would make Adam very happy. So let's make that happen. Tampa 2021. Let's go. Super Bowl LV. I'm going to see her speaking of LV in Las Vegas at the end of this month. So she's doing great. She could definitely do the halftime show. I feel like we're... It's it's where the window's closing though. It's kind of now or never. Uh, speaking of of me, the one thing we haven't talked about is any of the Super Bowl commercials, which for the most part weren't that interesting. I wouldn't say that they were atrocious this year, but I would say that they like. I mean, it's the usual thing. Like in the last probably fifteen years, they've moved in this direction of like we can't offend anyone. And the comedy has to be like so broad that um, a grandma uh, in Norway can understand them. And so like none of them really make sense. Like they're just filled with like sort of things that are pretending to be funny that aren't actually really funny. Um, but, you know, it, it was fine. Like, I don't know. I thought the Charlie Day thing was, was pretty rough with the Tide, Bud Light. Car- like I, I just didn't even I just didn't understand some of it. Like. Is this a Bud Light commercial? Is this a Tide commercial? Um, they have some woman, woman who's not his wife, like playing his girlfriend or wife. And his wife is like, like, if you know who Charlie Day is, you know that he's on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And like his wife 
plays the waitress. Like that would be funny. Not that the waitress is like, I don't know. You know, the commercial that stood out to me was the Alice Marie Johnson Trump ad where With, Alice Marie. Oh yeah, Al- I texted you immediately after this. <laughs> Alice Marie Johnson, if people are unfamiliar, was freed from prison last year. Uh, She was pardoned by Trump. And there was a commercial where she gets out of prison and says uh, this would not have happened without President Donald John Trump. She says his whole name. And uh, I felt I felt bad for America and Kim Kardashian in that moment because Kim Kardashian got her out. Do you – oh, this was the Kim Kardashian thing because I was going to ask you, do you know the story behind this? Because I don't know who this person is or, or what happened here. And I was – I am I know their the Trump administration is craven enough to be like, yo, guys, let's like let's like pardon one black person and send a commercial crew down there because it would make for a great 2020 ad. Like, and that's kind of what it is. They literally are like, all right, let's find the one black person who has ever thanked John, Donald Trump for anything who hasn't – like who doesn't like work for him or like work at his hotel or whatever. And let's turn that into like, you've been saying this for years. This is why I texted you because in 2015, you were saying at the former website where we used to work that Donald Trump was going to be courting African-Americans specifically and trying to turn them against the Latin folks that are, or, or Muslim folks that are currently usually in the, in the crosshairs when it comes to, um, Trump's rhetoric. So, uh, this was the first time like we'd seen flavors of it before we'd seen instances of it before but this was super bowl ad this was 30 seconds of a black woman saying thank you donald j trump like this was the mo this was the biggest example of this thing that you have been talking about for five years now yeah it was uh it 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 caught me off guard seeing it during the super bowl but yeah, I stand by everything I said in 2015. That's still what's happening. What a somber way to end. How about Shakira, am I right? That part where she and Jennifer Lopez came back together at the end, and oh, man. What about the sad grandpa commercial from Google? Oh, yeah, Google, build a dossier on me. That was horrifying. Don't just tell Google to remember. Like, fucking, I don't know, write it in a note. Have, has he never seen the notebook? Write it in a notebook. The, it was just the thing to me was that was so weird as everyone remembers um a month ago when the holidays were still a thing and there was that commercial from apple with like the the grandpa and the kids make the the little the little movie on the ipad of like their recently passed grandmother and it's like amazon bezos had to be watching that the the amazon alexa commercial kind of was actually funny but but Bezos was like, God damn it. Google and Apple have a have a commercial now with like a very sad grandpa. We should we should we should make ours now as the <laughs> as the third biggest company in the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. None of the other commercials. The one with uh, John Krasinski and. Oh, yeah. And Rachel Dratch and Chris Evans. Chris Evans with the Boston accents. That was cute yeah like in execution here's the thing like i really don't like john krasinski and i i I don't know how i feel about chris evans like the person who i like the most in that is rachel dratch of course but um i I thought it was like on paper it's a very smart ad like having a bunch of people say pack the car and baston a lot wicked smart car like i think i think it's kind of like a 
cute idea. Like, I, I don't know if I totally love the execution, but also I don't really like commercials. So like, you know, I don't think like a 30 second sketch about um, a car is like my preferred form of entertainment. I don't know about you, Adam, but I'm just me. Not really. And I, I do feel like the Super Bowl commercials being an event is kind of a thing of the past. Like people just aren't putting that much effort into it anymore. Yeah, I think we're past it. How do you feel about um, baby baby nut? Hashtag baby nut. <laughs> what is baby nut? So two weeks ago, Mr. Peanut died. And uh, you remember this? Oh, yeah. I remember Mr. Peanut dying. And so you didn't see, oh, you didn't see people, some smart people. Like, here's the thing. When it's like January 20th and and brands start doing weird stuff, start like making weird sort of moves on their marketing side, you always have to be like, yo, this is leading up to a Super Bowl commercial. And that's exactly what happened. So two weeks ago on the internet, <laughs> Planters Peanuts is like, Mr. Peanut is dead. <laughs> this is a sponsored post, by the way. Mr. Peanut <laughs> is dead. RIP. We changed our, our avatar. We changed our pin tweet. You can keep buying our peanuts, but this, this, this anim, anim, anthropomorphic peanut is dead. And then they had an episode, and then they had a commercial where it's like, hey, we're all at Mr. Peanut's funeral. Oh, wait, he grew into a new baby nut, and he just looks like <laughs> Baby Yoda or Baby Groot, but a peanut. Oh, no. That was the commercial? They were at his funeral? I feel like I missed it. Oh, they were, oh yeah, it was towards the end of the second quarter. They were at his funeral, and Mr. Clean was there, and like maybe the Green Giant was there. Like A number of other commercial uh, mascots were there. And then they like, sort of pour uh, dirt on his grave, and the sun shines through the clouds. And from from under the ground a new plant begins to emerge as a peanut is a legume and there is a new baby nut hashtag baby nut <laughs> hashtag it looks like baby it's like it just looks exactly like baby Groot or baby yoda and that's that's fine like it was only a matter of time before the marketing industrial complex uh found saw the the baby Groot thing which turned into the baby yoda thing and it's like and now next year you know at at uh <laughs> at the world series or whatever it's gonna be like hey baby gatorade <laughs> everyone wants a cute bottle of gatorade it's baby gatorade everybody i did like i didn't see the the tom brady thing coming i thought that was legitimately clever that was clever because tom brady we should have seen it coming because Tom Brady does like advertise a lot. Like he is pretty choosy about it. He's usually like selling some like Swiss sports watch in Japan only or whatever. But um, he tweets for those who you don't know, he tweets on Thursday night. He tweets this black and white picture of him like leaving a, like a stadium or like exiting a stadium or like he's sort of walking through the tunnel and it looks, it honestly looks like he might've died. Like it's sort of like, or it you did, expect yeah. to see like Kobe, Kobe Bryant, like photoshopped in there or whatever. And, um, and it was funny cause the next day we had a bunch of interviews and it was funny. The next day we had a bunch of interviews at radio row and James white, the running back for the Patriots is there. And our host, uh, asked him in the interview, like, what's the deal with that? <laughs> what's the deal with that picture? Did you text Tom or anything? And all the Patriots players, they do their thing. I'm like, Hey, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm good friends with them, but the, his decision is his decision. And I'd like to see him back. But if he, you know, wants to do something else, I support him or whatever. Um, and that's kind of what he did. But 
the reveal is that it's actually an ad for Hulu. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I like them. that. That that was that that's the perfect payoff for that tweet. I'm glad it wasn't some sentimental bullshit about him leaving New England because I don't really care if he leaves New England. I'm fine with that. But uh, I think that's our that's our episode. Thank you for joining me to relive the magic and majesty of Super Bowl live. Oh, good yeah. times. Do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? No, I'm all right. You, yes. can, oh, you can listen to my stupid Big Brother podcast, which uh, is also doing a, a Super Bowl recap podcast this week, either on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then we'll probably recap the Oscars. I have the stupid Big Brother podcast called Hey Julie, by the way. Subscribe to it on on on, on Apple or whatever. Uh, we talk about Big Brother, but Big Brother is only like three months of the year. So now we just are like, yeah, well, all right, we'll talk about the Oscars or we'll talk about Harry and Meghan, you know, all the all the things. All the important shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't People know. Subscribe to, to Unpops on Patreon if you want to hear Sport Horse all the time or when there's sports to talk about. I'm not fucking talking about hockey for the next week. That's out of the question. Uh, all right. Let's get out of here. Brett, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. At the end of no family can beat us. At the end of they're all afraid to meet us, and it all comes under indoor sport.